All right, Daniel, how's it going? I am well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. It's It was an interesting game, wasn't it? One of those where, should we be grateful that United got out of it with a draw? 96th minute equaliser or disappointed that actually the performance was better than the score suggests. Yeah, but that, I think at this point you can you can allow that because we're not in a situation where we're trying where we're going to win the league. So where every drop point is crucial. So it feels like it's more important that we're seeing progress and we are seeing progress. We're seeing progress yeah. in the way that they play, but we're also seeing progress in the way that they behave. That yes. They're not they're not the pushover that they were. And they've got players that are prepared to take responsibility for making it not be fucking dreadful. Well, that's right. I mean, I did see some fans of other teams mocking United celebrations, celebrating a 90-whatever-it-was-minute equaliser, as if we'd won the league, quote-unquote. But I kind of like that, how much, especially Casemiro. I mean, people said he's only coming for the payday and why would he join United, going from five times European champions to... Five times of nothing recently. But there's a leader, I think. I mean, he wanted that header more than everyone else. I mean, he not took to it too off, reductive. But he took he it off was, his own player for that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. the thing is, is like, first of all, if you don't understand celebrating a last-minute equaliser, you don't understand football, ultimately. I remember going like some of the greatest goons I can remember. I remember two in 07-08 at Tottenham and at Blackburn, where we got late points against teams who were worse than us. And celebrated like we won everything because it was significant. And yeah. it, I mean, it was significant because United trying to win the league at the time, but it was also just significant because you've spent your time goading, being goaded by the other, the other team's fans, and you want and like if you can't celebrate your team scoring a goal, I mean, seriously, what is the point? No, but, that's right. Look, just just given everything that's happened over the last few years and how weak this team mentally has been. The fact that the response after conceding a crappy penalty, really soft. I mean, I guess you can debate whether it was or wasn't, but it was just dumb to be caught wrestling a player to the ground like especially, that. Especially when Broger, like, he wound him up. Like, before the corner come over, Broger's poking him and all of that. Yeah. And McTominay allowed himself to be gulled into doing that. It was an intense piece of stupidity. It really it, was. It really was. But the response from United after that was great. I mean, that was. was the absolutely throwing everything at Chelsea. That was United of old school, wasn't it? And and it looked like, even before that, looked, I felt like, before the penalty, I thought, like, no team was playing that well, but I thought we looked more likely scorers than they did. And to come yeah. back to Casemiro... Made way more, way more shots and way more chances. And... Why, on Casemiro, one of the things I didn't realise about him, actually, is what an absolute unit he is. Yeah, he's a big fella, isn't he? That yeah. physical presence is so helpful. But also... When United sign a player like that, I don't understand why the inclination would be to suggest that he's come for a payday, you've only come for a payday, which I now feel should be sung every time he does something good or scores. And (laughs) to make sure that it wasn't me setting up my own straw man, I did search Casemiro and payday on Twitter, and it does come back with as many nice responses as I was hoping to see. Right. so in order to be a footballer, you've got to sacrifice. You basically sacrifice your youth to be a footballer. All your mates are doing what they're doing and you're going to training and you're sleeping and you're eating right and you're not enjoying your youth in the same way. Why would it be the case? Someone like him, who's lasted that long at Real Madrid, won five Champions Leagues, has played with some of the greatest players of the generation and ever to play football, would suddenly have a personality transplant and, sudden, and just become a dosser because 
he was playing in a less good team or in a different league and getting paid a little bit more money. It yeah, makes, yeah. It's possible, but it makes much more sense that he would come and do the things that he's been doing for the last 20 years because that's all he really knows how to do. That's his experience sure. of life is doing that. And he, what he's given this team is he's given them some status. He's given them physical power. He's given them passing. He's given them a fucking brain. Yeah, sure thing. And and look, I, I he clearly hasn't come just for the payday. But if, if there was any suggestion that his intensity levels would drop, or that his desire would drop, or that he wouldn't be as good anymore, I mean that's all nonsense, isn't it? He's he's added a new dimension to this United team already. Um, Better balance just feels balanced with him in the team. You feel secure because he knows what to do. And we talked about Thiago briefly last like the other day. And he, to me, he is the signing that Liverpool thought Thiago was. Someone who changes the way that the team is able to play and gives you that nous and know-how. That is Casemiro because what Thiago did was he changed the way Liverpool had been playing, whereas Casemiro allows United to play the way that they want to play. And yeah, he and he just seems like a good lad. I yeah, like and I, I think we, we talked a little bit about what the balance of the midfield would be. Obviously, Fred was really good against Tottenham. You know, perhaps man of the match against Tottenham dropped for this game or rotated with Ericsson coming back into the side. Again, it was that kind of double eight formation with Bruno perhaps a little deeper than we'd seen him in past alongside Ericsson. It just looks like whether it's... Bruno Casemiro, Fred, or Bruno Casemiro, Eriksen. There's just a much a, a better balance in that midfield than we've seen at any time since since Fergie left. Basically, even, even before that, like before the Chelsea game, I said to a mate, "I don't think they can live with us in midfield." And I probably hadn't said that about any similar quality team since about 2011, because if you remember, the midfield was basically neglected when Glazernomics were really at their height in the last years of Fergie. The way that United kept winning was obviously Fergie's genius. But also, he had a great defence. He had loads of wingers and loads of strikers, just options to change games and win games and different suitable for different occasions. But he didn't sign a midfield player between Hargreaves and Powell. And Powell was hardly even that. In terms of mm-hmm. the position that he played, he was almost a number 10. Yeah. But also, he was he was crap. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, didn't, it, it didn't matter. But what we've got now is a midfield that is absolutely not to be fucked with. And what a joy that is to behold. Because on Bruno particularly, feels like it's taken him a few weeks to learn a new position, a slightly different position. And previously, everything went through him. So he was sort of, he had scope to try something all the time because that was basically his job. If It reminded me a bit of when Alan Ball managed Southampton. Mm-hmm. Because I think previously, I think it was Bramford who was the manager. And he was sort of marginalising Letizier. Maybe he knew something that we only discovered in the last few years. <laughs> it was just like, actually, I don't care how good you are. You're a penis. But he, Alan Ball turns up and he's like, right, you give the ball to him. Yep. And the whole team is structured around the fact that you have this really special player whose level's above everyone else that you've got. Get him the ball. Don't make him do anything too severe apart from the clever stuff. Yeah. And that was basically what Bruno was under Ole. I mean, he had better players, but... It was, but it, was it all went through him, yeah. It was yeah. everything went through Bruno, and I'm sure that that fed Bruno's ego to a degree as well. And I don't say that particularly critically. Like everyone, you want to be crucial, you want mm-hmm. to be the guy, and he was. And it's taken him a few weeks to get used to the fact that there are good players around him, 
Now he's cognizant of that fact, and he's playing in that way. And the last, the last two or three, the last the three games, two games, he's been brilliant. Yeah, and there's no reason to think that he's not going to be able to sustain this. No, that's right. And he's not taking penalties, or United aren't taking penalties, so that's reduced his goal count. He's missed some big chances this season, a surprisingly large number when I looked at the data. So that would have reduced his numbers a bit. He's created a lot of chances that haven't been taken, an unusually high amount. And so I think his numbers would look a lot better had it been for details but his performances are good and and they found this slightly new system where they're just a bit closer together Casemiro Ericsson and or Fred and Bruno and I think that just helps them uh, build up and obviously Ten Hag wants to play this system where United get more control I mean United had more possession than Chelsea at Stamford Bridge when's the last time that happened I mean it's uh, and a lot of control in this game you know look gave away a dumb soft Stupid penalty, but before but that, that was there any chance really? Basically, how many saves, basically, how many saves yeah. did the have to make? I mean, XG shouldn't be used to make a point in one game, but I'm going to do it anyway. 0.2 non-penalty XG Chelsea created, nothing of any yeah. kind. Yeah, and yeah, like that's. I actually, I thought I, I really, I really enjoy the way Ten Hag reads the game. But one thing I thought he got wrong was with Bruno. Actually, that when when he brought Fred on. I thought that Bruno should have stayed in the middle and Ericsson should have gone to the left just because Ericsson has played, he played in those kinds of positions for Tottenham. But also, yeah. ultimately, who is more likely to make a goal happen, Bruno or Ericsson? Uh, yeah. I, know every, I know people love Ericsson and there are people who don't like Bruno as much as I do. But to me, like that's not that's not close. Even if you think Ericsson's a better player overall, blah, blah, blah. The person who is likely to either score a goal or create a goal, Bruno versus Ericsson, is Bruno by far. So I would always want him to be in the middle of the pitch trying, trying to make that happen. And it would have made more sense to me to put Ericsson onto the flank. Yeah, probably right. But I do think we... I get, I get the sense that Ten Hag deeply knows the game, deeply understands what he wants, is, is pretty dynamic with his thinking i mean there's there are times that this game felt a bit a bit like two deep thinkers thinking about a football game and i, I don't want to read too much into it because there's definitely been better chelsea united games definitely more consequential ones than this i mean what are we doing chasing third fourth fifth sixth there's a pack but it yeah you know, Potter is clearly a, a thinker about the game he has a, a view on what kind of system he wants to play i'm not sure that ruben loftus cheek is the answer to that system for him but maybe maybe but but Ten Hag definitely, I, I kind of feel that he's got a thing. He's tried a few different systems. It's not radically different each time. He's tinkering around the edges in order to get the best out of what he's got here. And and it felt like that kind of game. So. And the players that he's bought, just a totally different mentality to the players that they replaced. Yeah. That, like, that they really, like... The, the highest compliment I can give the players that he's bought is their Fergie signings, all of them. And players that I think that Fergie would would have bought. Like he, Fergie always, always banging on about bravery. And what you see, say, with Anthony, he always wants the ball. He always wants to take the ball. And if you want to take it from him, then you're going to have to fight him for it. He's not, he won't, he won't just meekly subside. He'd be on one, dab one man on him, two men on him, and he will be buffeting them. He'll be sticking his ass out. He'll be hanging on to the ball when he knows that he's going to get booted because he wants, he wants to keep hold of possession and he's brave enough always to try things. I mean, yeah, I'd have liked him to have scored as, as we all would, but he's got, I think, composure 
and he's got proper bottle and he's nasty. Like that bit of footage when we equalise and on his way to celebrate with his mates, he quickly like gives Jorginho some because he was pissed off about the foul on, was it Bruno? It was a foul right. on someone when, when they were running through the middle just before it. He makes sure that he gives Jorginho some. And it's that kind of mentality. Players who are used to winning, players who expect to win and players who carry themselves on the pitch like, like they deserve to win. And yes. that's Casemiro, that's Bruno and Martinez in particular. Well, that's right. And I thought this was one of Anthony's better games. He got the ball, he used the ball well. He, I mean, he had a couple of dribbles in which he got past his man. He's at times this season, he hasn't wanted to do that. He's checked back. And we know how good he is carrying the ball and he doesn't always do it. And and here he did it, but he also made the right passes at the right time. And I thought this was one of his better games, more productive part of the team. He obviously do, does the defensive piece well. That's part of what is expected of him under Ten Hag. Not just the tracking back, but the pressing high up the pitch. He got the ball a lot. He seems to get in the right spaces to get the ball a lot. Because if you compare him with Sancho on the other side, who barely touched the ball and was ineffective in the game and couldn't get into the game again. And I know he's dragged off early, but it's a worry, isn't it? That he just doesn't seem to get it in the same way. And obviously he's a completely different style of player, but we want more from him. We've said this on every pod. We know yeah, he's well, better he's than he's, kind of the he's guy showing. Who's, yeah, he's the guy who's disappointing at the moment. He's not giving us what we think he should be giving us, what we think, what we think he's capable of giving us. Yeah, and he may be out of the team as soon as Martial's fit, if he's ever fit. I mean, he will be. <laughs> on, on current form, that's exactly that's exactly what will be the case. Yeah, and I mean, it was nice to not have any drama around Ronaldo because he's not in the squad. We'll see if he's back for Tiras Sheriff on Wednesday. I mean, it's just the one game he's been dropped for, I think. I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what kind of conversations. Funny that the Ronaldo camp hasn't come out with some spin. Other than that, sort of non-apology post on Instagram saying I, it was the heat of the moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't help but think that's that's the second time he's left the game early under Ten Hag. First time he's refused to come on as a sub. Obviously, <laughs> he didn't bother training all summer because he was trying to get away or, or he had family issues. Believe whatever you want there. <laughs> but, it, but of course, he's always respectful of his colleagues. Anyway, that's a long rant about and Ronaldo, what, just to say it was <laughs> nice that he wasn't there. It is not. And what, I, what I'm also like think that we're seeing is the way that the players that we've signed are having a positive effect on the players who were there before. Because what, what, like, if you look at Luke Shaw, for example... He was very good before. in this game. Again. Yeah. like We know that Luke Shaw's top level is a good level, but he's someone who I think is, as I, has been knew he was going to make it because he's been the best player at every level. He's not a natural competitor, so he needs he needs something to force it. But if you just even look at him, he looks like he's had liposuction on his face. <laughs> he, oh, looks, he's, he is looking lean. The, the training is doing well for yeah, him. He, yeah. he looks like he looks like an athlete, even though he's playing in a serious manner. And Luke Shaw is like he's a unit. He's able to drive forward with the ball. And he needed the threat, I think, of losing his place and knowing that the person who took it from him is is good the manager likes him and he's good it's not so much an Alex Teller situation even if you just look at as we mentioned before the way Casemiro scores that winning goal it reminded me in its way of Zlatan's winning goal against Southampton where he basically I mean it was a header but it was basically he personality it in where he there was just no other outcome that was acceptable to him and he was making it happen and mm-hmm. it was and we haven't really had 
very many players like that over the last few years. And Martinez is another one where I know I find that I rave about him every time I'm on, but I love that guy. <laughs> oh, and diving into the crowd at the end for for the the joint limb celebration with the, <laughs> well, the fans. Just, it was great. It, it, I mean, we're, we're such marks, aren't we, as, as football supporters? It felt almost like spontaneous, but it also felt like ritual, where that's kind of the way that you're expected to behave. Then, like, he claps at us, then we clap at him, and then yeah. you get that glorious interaction on Twitter with the guy that it was who he's grabbing by the lapels. Yeah. But what's brilliant about Martinez, I think, is that it's very rare you see a defender who's got that much aggression, but also that much composure who's that young, who reads the game like that. Oh, no, and, that's right. And, and he's, I mean, he got booked in this game, but it's not like he's been just kicking everyone all over the place. I mean, he is aggressive. And and I was worried at the beginning of the season that he was too active. Not that he's too aggressive, but too active. He's always, always really tight. And that can lead you into trouble as well. But he, he just seems to know when to get tight and, and when, to, when to find the right kind of space and to you defend. You don't usually, like defenders, centre-backs take the longest to mature usually out of all players, maybe only goalkeepers, but usually they, they take time and he's just, I can't I can't fault that guy. And it is early days, but he just seems to be able to do everything. Even just when he's moving forward with the ball, he presents a problem to the opposition because they know that he can run past them. And they also know that if they try and stop him, they try not if they try not to stop him running past them by not committing, then he can he can pick a pass through the lines, or he can hit a big switch, and mm. it is. I, I feel I feel like a child. I mean, I guess that's part of what we want football to do to us. Where I'm just watching this guy, thinking, "Oh, look at him!" Yeah, yeah. He, his average position on the pitch is really high. I mean, he's helped United push up much, much higher. It's much higher than Harry Maguire, who's you know, R.I.P. Harry still injured. But that that really helps, and in this game in particular, when United were really pressing at the end, he became an, like an auxiliary midfielder, and he looks totally comfortable there, finding the right space, finding the right passes, and it just uh, is very very useful in those situations. So. The the difference between him and Maguire is immense because Maguire, like he can, he's not bad on Maguire's sort of like the lummox in the playground, who you see play for the first time and it's like, oh, I didn't expect you to be able to play like that. Sure. But everything he does is slow. Yep. And like, he can run with the ball, but he doesn't do it quickly. He can hit a decent pass, but he doesn't do it quickly. Whereas Martinez is, boom. Everything that he does is intense with intention. With in- and, it, and it happens, and it happens yeah. quickly and it's done with conviction. I mean, one thing Harry is is quick about is writing his apology posts on on Instagram. He's absolutely super quick there. But everything else, you know, you're right. It's uh, and running away from the police in Greece. Whatever happened to that one? Did it? Did that case get dismissed, or is it still ongoing? I thought it was rolled know, over is. for another year. Yeah, so odd. I was expecting to hear about it again. But but yeah, no, quick, quick with the passing. Martinez finds the right angles. Totally comfortable on the ball. Active defender. He's been a a really excellent purchase and and of course none of us had seen him i say none of us neither of us had seen him in super <laughs> depth because we're not turning on every divisi every week but and and it seemed it seemed a shortcut to signings didn't it that ten hag was just buying all the players he knew i so i i, I wrote about but, this because I, I i i i agree in general i would be suspicious of a man i'm suspicious of managers who do that 
Yeah, but, this is. It didn't feel like Harry Redknapp buying Nico Cranky after the seven hundred second <laughs> time, because and I'll tell you why. First of all, it felt like the players he were buying, he he might just have been the best players available to him because players not as keen to come to United as once were because they can't trust the club. Those guys, Martinez, so. yeah, Martinez, Malassia, Ericsson, not Ericsson, Martin, Martinez, Malassia, and Anthony coming as probably as much for Ten Hag as for United. It doesn't matter as much. They don't feel they can trust the club because they know for sure that they can trust the manager. Correct, yeah. And extracting yeah. players of that quality from somewhere else who didn't know the manager probably would have been harder. But because of Ten Hag, he was able to go and say to Ajax, well, actually, I can take your best players away because they want to play for me. And, and obviously, playing for United is a draw too. But any footballer who wasn't thinking, "Do I actually want to go there?" is just an idiot, ultimately. And it, I don't. We, I, no, not, we're not enjoying having those thoughts. But it's true. If you've got options, why are you coming to United when you could, go, if you could go somewhere similar? But they were coming for him, I think. And so it wasn't just as simple as because he didn't go to Ajax and just sign anyone, he went and signed players who were sort of known to be good. I mean, Martinez plays centre-back for Argentina. Yes. Anthony yes. plays... Malassia was the, the the gamble, I guess, but it was so cheap that it, it doesn't matter. So... Yeah, exactly. It costs nothing. And also, he's seen him at close quarters. Presumably, he knows people who know him because football is a small world and it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. difficult for him to do for him to do his research on, on Malassia. But as you say, the amount of money was that even if he's crap, then whatever. It, it, does, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's uh, about four months' wages but for you Ronaldo. Can see the transfer fee. A very significant difference, as I said the other day, between Tenaf is, is buying players he thinks can go on to be some of the best players in the world, as opposed to what Conte did, which is just buy and sort of all right players you think you can get to do a job. And that's, that, that's, how, it sh- that's how it should yeah. be. Con- Conte complaining this week after defeat to Newcastle that they haven't got enough players, which is interesting because they spent quite a bit of money in the summer and and took debt out to to spend that money as well. But he I mean, he's right, Conte. I mean, sure, yeah, they, they haven't don't got have enough. an attacking midfield player in that squad. It's ridiculous. It They've was... got plenty of defensive midfielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's him that bought Benson Kerr, who I think is an all right player, and him that bought Basuma, and him that bought Richarlison when he had Kane and Son. So. Yeah. Ultimately, it would probably be his fault that they're not that they're crap, and they are. We we can't leave this conversation about this game without talking about Rafa Varane, who got another injury, and the man is made of glass. I mean, it's such a shame because his his composure alongside Martinez has it's clearly it's made a massive difference to United again. Just the two shots Chelsea had in this game, United are very very secure and and an offensive unit. It's that balance that. We uh, we'd been searching for for some time, and Varane is a big part of that. And hobbled off looks like a hamstring injury. He was in tears, I guess, thinking he might be out of the World Cup. I think I saw something today saying it's not as bad as they first feared, but still several weeks, and that puts it. Given the World Cup starts in three weeks' time, something like that, three Jesus. and a bit weeks' time, that puts it right on the the border of whether he's going to make it or not. So it's a it's a big blow for him, and it's a big blow for United because he's going to lose three games. Three Premier League games, the EFL Cup game, he probably wouldn't have played in, and a couple of European games before the World Cup. So we'll we'll see how that one works out. But it's it, it was it was kind of sad moment, wasn't it? Him in tears, the camera zooming in on him as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we should be able to get by without him, basically, in with with the games that we now have. 
He's meant. I read the last I read was they think he'll make the second group game. That's not so bad, and it, they they'll definitely take him. Of course, France because he's he's been a big part of everything they've done. Although they are stocked, they are well stocked with centre backs. France and Deschamps likes to play a lot of them as well. Oh my um, gosh! Like there's the the amount of centre backs France have. It's arguable that no side has ever had that. Str- no country has ever had that strength in depth been that in strong. position. Yeah, yeah, before than what France have got. But I mean, he is the first choice, and you. But I, but I I think that he should we should be okay to cope with him because we know that Lindelof and Maguire have previously been good enough just by themselves. Yeah, and and the games United got now are kind of interesting. So we got through that period of really tough stuff. We've got Sheriff coming up. Uh, then we've got West Ham after that. I mean, it's interesting just how tough a start United have had, played all the top teams now. Yeah, because um, I, I when 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 we were good, I'd always look at the running, and now we're crap. I always look at the beginning because that feels like if you can get if you can get ahead of steam, you can get some momentum going. Then you can worry about what's coming next afterwards. I mean, we're seeing it with Arsenal yeah. that they had they played all the crap teams first, got loads of points, and now they're playing with some confidence. Right. But, um, yeah, and then you know you got Sociedad, the uh, Real Sociedad, I should say, who are uh, in the final group game. That's going to matter for placings. Obviously, really important that United don't have those two extra games in February, and then the double header against now managerless Aston Villa. And I have to say, I was very disappointed that it couldn't be United that stuck the knife into Gerard. I know it's petty. No, but- it's not. I was just hoping for a, <laughs> just hold on for a couple more weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel pettiness. But just hilarious, like that it took what was it, seventeen minutes and scored three times. <laughs> yeah, well done. Steven. I, I mean, I mean the, the the chef's kiss moment was, of course, Gerard giving that interview after the game. How he's going to stay on? He's a fighter, and it took about three minutes after that for the news to come through that he'd been fired. It was a rapid firing. They didn't wait till the. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. They didn't wait till the morning to stick the knife in. They went straight away. So I, d- I don't think they've announced a new manager. Have they? Is, is, is Poch on the list? We'll be seeing. I thought um, he said he wouldn't do it, but he was his name. Thomas Franca is has refused to say, rule himself out. Oh, oh, so may, yeah. maybe it'll be him, but. With I do I mean feel like because we've got them soon as well, haven't we? We've got them, we've got them twice soon. Twice in the EFL Cup and in the league, yeah, yeah where, just coming up after. Yeah, I think I hate to say it because I, but I think Maguire being injured at the moment is probably not unhelpful because it didn't matter before because he wasn't playing anyway. But I think that given the way that he's been playing, it's much better that it's Lindelof who's playing, and there's no if if Maguire was fit, there'd be pressure to pick him. Yes, they would. Well, look, Lindelof and Varane, obviously Lindelof's not of the same quality, but he's of the same type. Uh, uh, yeah, comfortable on the ball. He's the kind of secondary player that cleans up, not the active one. I guess it, one... It's, it fits into the team. He's definitely not as good as Varane, obviously. I mean, one problem I might, I can potentially foresee is that the thing, like, the thing that Varane does better than anyone is he wins the headers. Like, he does. He's, they're yeah. almost... There are possibly no defenders in the world who are better in the air than Varane. And we saw what happened when he went off against City when Christian Eriksen was it winds up marking Haaland. And we don't, we're still like Casemiro around is helpful, but we're still not a massive team. And if I was playing against United, I would definitely be thinking about thinking about corners and set and um, free kicks anyway, particularly without Varane. But like we've got West Ham coming up, for example. 
who are really who are excellent at that. But then, I mean, hopefully the ball will be down the other end most of the time, and that is one of the benefits of being we're trying to be a possession team. And yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the best way of defence, isn't it? I mean, look at uh, look at Pep Guardiola's side, um, who concedes stupid goals, but not very often because they've got the ball seventy percent of the time. So, uh, th- yeah, that's right. It, it is a concern. There was talk to, to Ryan O'Hanlon about his new book on last week's show, which yeah, you may have may or not have listened to, listeners. And one of the interesting sections in that is all about set pieces and just how bigger difference there are between different sides on based on whether they focus on set pieces or not and and of course we, we always used to think Tony Pulis's Stoke side were good at set pieces and, and you look at the numbers and they're outstanding and a complete outlier and that's because they focus very deeply on how to score from set pieces. So. I don't get why the better teams don't do it because it's three goals and each goal is worth the same and yeah. you get more corners Oh, you get you, yeah, exactly. You get more corners. You get more. You get into dangerous positions. Even if the chance of scoring from a free kick is something like two percent, I some of the, I it, wonder. It, it's how, still, the more you get, the more goals you're going to score. I've always sort of wondered if there's going to come a point in football where people stop shooting from free kicks because you almost definitely won't score. And do you actually have more chance of scoring if you can put a good ball into the back post or right. whatever? I don't. I don't know. And it would be a shame, obviously, because free kicks getting spanked in is great but I do wonder about that as I also wonder how if I was taking a free kick and there was a draft excluder to allow the wall to jump that at some point my the schoolboy inclination that I will never lose would just be like nah man I'm just drilling it as hard as I can as low <laughs> as I can and the wall can jump and that dickhead lying down can, can wear one can take it yeah no, that's right aim wherever you like the, I the, like the fact is... that Sancho is the guy who has to do it as well because I feel like of all the players United have he's probably the one that wants to do it least it's it's like the silly point in cricket, isn't it? Who, who's drawing the straw, short straw on that one? So. Well, that's always, if you're the youngest player in the team, then that was well. I mean, that was what happened to me. When I started yeah. playing men's cricket about 14. I, uh, I, I, would, I would always be there. Not not to give away former host Paul's medical secrets, but he once got hit in the face fielding in that position with a cricket ball, caused him some, some dental problems for some years. Christ. Uh, so, yeah, 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 unpleasant. So, yeah. But Paul it, is it, also one of those people you would, not want that to happen to no that's right not that i wish major dental I surgery on any... I've, lo- I've lost my train of thought anyway l- l- good 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 chance to think about something else l- look good performance from united again i thought overall i thought one strong thing, yeah, performance because what, what we're seeing now is this is the standard i felt it after Tottenham. Yes. i feel it again it's just like it feels like ten huff is saying to them don't you dare play less well than this yeah, he knows that obviously some days are good days, some days are bad days. And one of the things, one of the really minor differences I felt like with this game and Spurs was that football was a chaotic game, and particularly in the second half, just those little bounces and ricochets didn't didn't go for us basically in in that game, where the ball was sort of falling just away from us in the Tottenham game, where someone would power into a tackle and they'd come away with the ball, and it wasn't it didn't almost feel like a skill or technical aspect. It's just it's chaotic. And sometimes it goes for you and sometimes it doesn't. And it didn't go for us in the same way it did against Tottenham. And they forced it anyway. They did. And and it's really tight. Look, it's United are just the six points behind City. 
feels like it should be more, right? But uh, it's just a couple of wins, and it's a couple of points behind Spurs in third. It, it is that group? And unfortunately, Newcastle we will finish above Tottenham. We're going to finish above Tottenham. I think. I think so. And and it's going to be really tight with Chelsea. And I don't know whether Newcastle can sustain this because it's all about Eddie Howe's work ethic, isn't it? And and the team and nothing. And about, also, um, but you've also got to remember yeah. that Isaac is a good player and he's he is. injured at the moment. And it so. Yeah, I mean, I would say I think we'll finish above Tottenham, but then there's City will obviously finish in the in the top four. Liverpool, don't it's know. hard to say with them. Yeah, it, it's the it. I mean, loss of the weekend, bizarre loss to Forest. So what humorous yeah, loss to Forest? <laughs> <laughs> what I think it is with Liverpool is also that they're sort of relying on the fact that they've got good players to get their goals, like we used to, rather than they've got a way of playing that even when you play badly, will produce enough goal-scoring opportunities. And it's amazing that just a couple of changes in the forward line has changed the dynamic. I mean, Salah doesn't feel like the same player. I know he got a hat-trick the other week, so and he could do that again this week in the Champions League or whatever, but it, it's just the dynamic of that midfield doesn't have the same energy it used to have, and the forwards aren't producing the same goals they used to have. Yeah, exactly used to that. do. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Just a couple of changes in that forward line has, has changed a lot. So who who knows where Liverpool will get to? I mean, obviously their 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 level is very high, as we saw when they beat City last week. So and Newcastle, well, they'll come back from their trip to warm weather training to Saudi Arabia, which is just a football decision. Eddie Howe. I mean, he's. I tell you what, he would do well in this this current Tory government because his absolute shamelessness, lack of integrity. About, Total lack of integrity and ability to just go all in. I mean, you had to say something for him. He's gone all in on and the owners. He's got that ability that like people have to delude themselves. So that when you when they're oh. asked about this very obvious thing that they're doing, when they respond, they respond with real self obsessed self righteousness. They really like because there's different kinds of bullshit, all right. There's the bullshitter who knows he's bullshitting, and that that's and then there's like there's the bullshitter who convinces himself that what he's saying is truth, and then gets affronted when challenged. And Eddie Howe is that. <laughs> that's, that's Eddie Howe. Uh, yeah, I'm going to absolutely delight in his downfall because at some point they'll want to upgrade and or they'll fail or the owners will be impatient that they haven't met the targets they expect of him, and at some point he's going to go, and that will be delightful. He fully deserves every loss that they get yeah really really dislike him but he gets a pass doesn't he on that one just not challenged because sport washing works yes and he just it's it's just that how dare you talk to me like that and how dare you say those things that it's that kind of there's no there's no uncomfortableness he's not shifting in his seat thinking this is what i've done and maybe that's how it works because if you want to live with yourself on a day-to-day basis total denial you, you can't you can't do it you have to pretend that it's right or it's not happening or it's nothing to do with you or, or all of the above and people are just out to get you because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna struggle with your with your self-image or like your mental health almost but yeah, yeah you, well, maybe you are yeah. genuinely working for people who do that yes well you this are. week two protesters were convicted and sentenced to death in Saudi Arabia. So I read a piece, Amnesty piece on this. Protesters, that is. Not some major serious crime. They're just protesting against the government. That is a death sentence. And those are the people who own Newcastle. Literally a government minister as head of PIF, uh, which owns Newcastle. And those two protesters 
And again, we expect a level of ability to protest against the government, even though they'd like us to not be able to in the UK. And, and that is a death sentence from Newcastle's owners. And Eddie Howe has never, never accepted that, never accepted that challenge at all. He's just been happy. And the other cheerleader who I can't wait to have some kind of downfall is Alan Shearer on the BBC, who's just, who never, he had pearl clutching for about three seconds. Oh, it makes me think for a bit. And he's totally forgotten that. And he's fully in on the, the well, cheerleading it, people, for Newcastle's relative sport. success. That's yeah. how much people love sport, that ultimately everything is subservient. You see with Guardiola as well. Nothing come like when you sort of ascribe a moral value to sporting success, sporting achievement, sporting style, then it's sort of, you evaluate it alongside all the other things that have moral standards, like not hacking journalists to death with, not ha- killing journalists and hacking them apart with bone saws. Yeah. Right. But look at that beautiful football. That is also like an aesthetic moral value. It should be an- of equal value. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Guardiola is another one. Yes. I mean, he, he, the, the ridiculous spin City came out with had me defending Jurgen Klopp. That's how desperate it was when they, it was suggested to several journalists who all printed it like de facto this must be the truth that Klopp was somehow a racist for, or xenophobic for challenging the, the state-owned clubs, their ability to spend more money than everyone else. So, and Klopp yes, was absolutely and then, right. Because there are two aspects there. One is just general state wealth. Even if you had this glorious, benevolent state of Eden, it would still be wrong. But then when mm-hmm. you actually factor in what that, how that state goes about its business, that's another thing. Yes. But yeah, yeah, the idea that that was xenophobic was just so ludicrous that it barely even felt acceptable to get involved in it because just it felt like anyone who would say anyone who was suggesting that is just not telling the truth and why? But, but the way the way that the way that you have to produce a lot of content right in today's media world because it you know, content is is views views are advertising and it's it, it, so there's a lot of, lot more content churned out and that's obviously always going to be a story and it diverted the attention away from things that city didn't want to concentrate on to something else conveniently that story came in the week that city had lost to liverpool uh, yeah Anyway, United Plain Sheriff will beat them. It's at Old Trafford. I guess there'll be a few changes. Anything else to say about that? No, I mean, the main thing I've been thinking about is your mum, actually. I mean, <laughs> do, do tell. Well, just just from your, your, your anecdote about your wife last week, rather than I, I, I always think <laughs> as well. <as> well. <laughs> <laughs> My mum listens to this show occasionally, so she may, she may pick up on that anecdote at some point. It's all meant in the best of spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 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 Mrs. Ed's mum. <laughs> That's it. I'm Daniel. Yeah. I think about you. <laughs> Someone sort actually of. messaged me on Twitter, and I think messaged probably both of us, and said that their highlight of the last pod was that anecdote. And I thought <laughs> yes. I, I, I totally agreed that that was that was far more interesting <laughs> than anything we said about football. Very good. I know you have to run, so I will. We'll say we'll say goodbye, backers. I think we'll do some European content after the after the Europa League game. Uh, yes, yes. Speak to you again. Yes. And Sarah, uh, I will, we'll catch you next weekend.